0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Hope everybody's doing well this morning. I am. You guys know that I love being here on Sunday mornings and throughout the day. I love being here with my Grace Church family. You know, I've heard many people say that they do not like pain. Most people will say that they really hate pain and suffering. I'm going to argue that that is not completely true. See, I believe people hate pain if there is no purpose. People will hate pain if there is no purpose behind it. Think about it. A lot of us can endure a lot of pain. A lot of us will endure a lot of pain if we know there is a purpose in our pain. I'm a spinning instructor and I love to put resistance And if you go to one of my classes, I'm going to make you go through some pain. We're going to do some intervals. We're going to do some clients. We're going to work out hard. At the end of every class, after going through 45 minutes of pain, people cheer. They applaud. Why? Because there were purpose. There was a purpose in the pain that they went through. Some of you pay a lot of money to feel pain. I know how much some of you are paying for trainers. And the trainers will make you go through some pain and you love it because you know the saying, if there is no pain, there is no gain. We will endure pain if there is a purpose in our pain. Mothers, you can relate. Childbirth, very painful. But you will do it again. And some of you have a basketball team. And you've done it time and time again. You've endured the pain because you know that at the end of the pain, there is a purpose, there is a result. A beautiful child. So I'm going to argue that people don't hate pain. People hate pain without a purpose. Today we continue our series that we began Three weeks ago or four weeks ago that we've entitled, Wonder Why. And if you're new with us here this morning, we've been answering questions biblically. Questions that most of us have had or still have. We opened up this series answering the question, why does evil exist? If God is all-powerful, if God is all-loving, all-loving and all-sovereign, why does he allow evil to exist in this world? And then last week, we answered the question, why forgive? Why is forgiveness necessary? Next week, we're going to answer the question, why pray? If God knows everything, if God knows us better than we know ourselves, why do we have to pray? And then the week after Father's Day, we will conclude this series and answer the question, why does God sometimes feel far away? But today we're gonna answer the question why do I go through trials? Why does God allow or sometimes ordain for me and for you to go through some trials, through some pain? And we're gonna see two things today. We're gonna see the purpose, the purpose in our trial, but we're also gonna see the promise. There is a purpose. In our suffering and in our pain. But behind that, there is a promise. So, have your Bibles with you. Please open them up to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, a very familiar verse, I believe. And here's what Paul writes He says, And we know, we know, and we know that for those who love God, All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. There is a purpose behind your pain, church. But notice what Paul is saying. He is not saying that all things are good. Going through a trial, going through some pain doesn't feel good. But what he is saying that all things, good and bad, work together. For his good. For his glory. Condition. For those who love God. There is a purpose. If you love God and you are going through suffering. If you are going through some trials. There is a purpose. As a matter of fact in Greek the word purpose is pronounced protases, which means to be prepared in advance. God has prepared in advance, has ordained in advance the trials and the suffering and the pain that you're going through for a purpose. There is a purpose in your pain and in your trial. And Paul is saying, if you love God, know in your heart that there is a purpose. I know some of you are going through difficult times, through some pain, through some trial illness in your family. Maybe you have an illness yourself. Maybe there's been a death in the family. A broken relationship. Maybe your finances are not where they're supposed to be. And church, let me tell you this. You may not see it now through your pain in the season. But there is a purpose in your pain. There's a purpose. Whatever you are going through, right now it is happening for a reason. It is shaping you. It is molding you. It is creating you to be the God, the, the man or the woman that God has called you to be. purpose behind it. What I want to do is answer that question by looking at three things, three reasons. And here's the first reason, the purpose. There is preparation in your pain. There is preparation that's coming through your pain. God is preparing you for something. Let me give us a little bit of context before we look at the verse that backs this up. Jesus is with his apostles. Judas has just left to betray him, to turn him in. And the apostles are arguing with one another, who is the greatest?" Who is going to be numero uno next to you, Jesus? And Jesus turns to Peter and says this in Luke 22, verse 31. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might shift, sift you like wheat. Jesus looks at Peter and says, listen, Peter, the devil, Satan, has asked permission to hurt you, to put you through some trials. You are going to suffer, Peter. And look what Jesus says next, verse 32. But I prayed for you. Don't worry about it. I pray for you that your faith may not fail. Imagine how Peter felt or what he thought, wait a second, Whoa, whoa time out. You said that Satan asked you for permission. And you're telling me not to worry because you're praying for me, Jesus. Thank you for the prayers. But why did you just say no? Why are you allowing Satan to put me through some trials, through some suffering? Why are you allowing it? Now, no, Jesus didn't cause it. He allowed it. Why? Because God was preparing Peter through his pain. Church, sometimes God prepares you and me through our pain. There is preparation that comes through pain. And Jesus in this situation was preparing Peter for the pain and the suffering that Peter was about to feel. Because later that night, Peter denies Jesus three times. And he suffered and he hurt. But through that denial, Peter's faith grew. Through his suffering, through his trial, Peter's trust and his faith in Christ grew. Peter became one of the pillars of our faith. Peter never once again denied Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact... It is believed that Peter was crucified, but he was crucified upside down because he said he didn't want to be crucified like his Lord and Savior. Jesus was preparing Peter through his pain for what's to come. Jesus, did, Jesus didn't us Peter to pain. He prepared him through it. And as a result, Jesus was glorified. In the same manner, church, realize that God is doing something in you. He does something through you. He's doing something in you. He's preparing you before. Before he does something through you. There is preparation in your pain. But there's also also perfection. There's also perfection in your pain, in your suffering, in your trial. James writes a letter to a bunch of believers that have been scattered throughout Palestine. They're all suffering. They're being persecuted. They're in poverty. All of them, if not the majority of them, are going through some really bad trials. And James writes this in James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. I want to make some quick observations here. First of all, he's saying, count it all joy. He is not saying to celebrate in your trials. He's not saying, yay, I'm suffering. Be cheerful. Be happy. Yes, let's celebrate. No. What James is saying is that change your perception. God is trying to make you better, not bitter in your trials. There is a reason behind your trial and count it all joy. The second very important observation is that he says, When. When you meet trials. He's not saying if, he's saying when. Church, trials are inevitable. Say that with me. Trials, I emphasize this because there's a lot of false teachings out there. The feel good gospel, the prosperity gospel, that everything's gonna be good, your best life is now no, once you become a Christian, once you put your trust in Jesus Christ, I think the opposite happens. You're going to suffer. It's not all honky-dory. It's not all smooth sailing. And God's word tells us so clear of this truth. Peter writes this in 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised. Don't be shocked. Don't freak out at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I don't suggest you use this verse when you're evangelizing to someone. But this is the truth. You will be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And Jesus says this in John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have pain. You will suffer. You will have trials. But take heart. I have overcome The world. Third observation. Notice James says, trials. Plural. And we know this. Trials sometimes come in waves. One after the other after the other. A loss of a job. An illness. A death in the family. There are trials in our lives. Of various, various kinds. But he says, consider it. All joy, brothers. Why does James say this? Verse 3. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. James is telling the audience back then. James is telling you and me. You know that there is good in this. That through your trials you are getting stronger. You are trusting and depending on God more and more. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Another word for steadfastness is endurance. It's producing endurance in you and in me. Endurance in Greek is pronounced "hoopomeno." "Hupo" means under, and "meno" means pressure. And through your trials, you're under your trials. The pressure that is being put upon you is making you stronger. You become more dependent on Jesus Christ. It's like lifting weights. The heavier the weight, the more painful it is, but the stronger you're getting. That's what James is saying. Count it all joy because the testing of your faith is making you stronger and dependent on Jesus Christ. He goes on and says this in verse 4. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect. And complete lacking in nothing there's perfection in your pain now James is not saying that you're gonna be perfect what James is saying is that steadfastness is doing its work it's perfecting you what it's doing it is completing you whatever you're lacking in it's completing you in that it is making you and me complete and sometimes church Trials allow God to complete his purpose in your life completely. That's why there is perfection in your pain. Always a purpose. There's preparation. There is perfection. And the third thing is that there is praise. There is praise in your pain. At the end of it, as you go through the process, it's, it's hurtful. They're suffering. But at the other end, you will clap and cheer God and you will praise him. Peter also writes to a people of believers that have been scattered who also are suffering. They're being persecuted. And Peter opens up saying, look, hope, member of your hope, your living hope that is Christ Jesus. And he writes this in 1 Peter. Verse 6, chapter 1, in this you rejoice. He says that word again, rejoice, just like James says. In this you rejoice. In what? In the hope. In the everlasting hope, the living hope. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various plural trials. Two things Peter is saying. He's saying that our trials are brief. Are you probably saying to yourself, no, they're not. I've been in this suffering, I've been in this pain for as long as I can remember. What Peter is saying is this. In comparison to the eternal hope we have with Jesus Christ, whatever happens in this life is brief. Your trials are only for a little while. But also notice he mentions if necessary. If necessary. Sometimes our trials are necessary. Why is that? He answers us in the very next verse, verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise. You result in your pain is praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There is praise after your pain. I love what John Piper writes about this verse. He says this, these impurities in our faith hinder our fullest experience of the goodness and the greatness of God. So God designs to refine our faith with the fires of trial and distress. His aim is that our faith be more pure and more genuine. That is, that it be more utterly dependent on him and not not on things and other persons for our joy, for our praise, for his glory. The result is praise in our pain. And I believe for many of us, God may be putting trials in your life right now, but he's saying, trust me, I'm here for you. There's a purpose. There is preparation, church. There is perfection. And ultimately, your pain will turn to praise. But there's also promise. Several promises in our pain. Let me mention two of them. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. He says this, therefore since we have been justified by faith. What is he talking about? He says since you have been made right before God. When anyone puts their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, when anyone believes in their heart that God himself stepped out of heaven, became Jesus, lived a perfect life. He suffered. He was buried. And he rose again on the third day. When we believe that that was sufficient to pay for our sin debt, at that moment the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells in us. At that moment we become children of God. At that moment you have been justified. Are we still sinners? By all means. But we are forgiven sinners. The Holy Spirit that now indwells in us makes us feel convicted when we sin. You have been justified. Let me put it this way. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and God looks down on you, he sees his son. He doesn't see your sin. Paul is saying, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. What a beautiful promise. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Because we have been justified by faith, we now have peace with God, number one. The wrath of God that was upon us because of our sin has been lifted. And we believe that Jesus Christ died for us since that wrath was placed on him at the cross. So we have peace with God and we have obtained God's grace. Grace is unmerited, undeserved love. We have obtained that. So, how should we react through our trials and through our sufferings? Verse three, not only that, but we rejoice. Are you getting the pattern? But we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to all believers, to us. In our sufferings... A chain reaction begins to happen. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. God's promise in our trials, church, is eternal hope. We have eternal hope. We have been saved through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Another promise, a beautiful promise... Is found in Revelation chapter 21. John writes this in verse 1. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more, he says. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as his bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Christ one day will return, church, and his promise is that one day. There will be no more trials. There will be no more death. No more tears. No more sin. No more suffering. But until that day, we need to trust that there is a purpose. We need to trust that he is preparing us. We need to trust that he is completing us, making us perfect. And we are going to praise him through our pain. But you know how all these promises are possible? It was because of one man's trial. It was because of one man's suffering. That man is Jesus Christ. He says this in Luke chapter 24, verse 25. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary, he says, That the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. It was necessary for him to suffer. Why? Hebrews writes this as well. In Hebrews 2 verse 8a. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while... While was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. Here's the reason. So that by grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. He goes on in verse 10. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering he suffered and died and rose again so that one day we too will live forever with him in eternity. Why? Why are there trials? What is the purpose in our trials? There's preparation. There is perfection. But man, there is praise. The promises, recap, eternal hope. Jesus Christ, our living hope. And one day there will be no more trials. That's a promise. I opened up this series, church, answering the question why evil exists. Why God allows or ordained evil to exist in this world. And I, as I opened up, I, I mentioned to you guys that six years ago, I, I officiated my very first funeral ever. And this funeral that I officiated for the first time was for a three-year-old little girl on Christmas Day. And I mentioned to you that on that day, I couldn't make eye contact with the parents. They were suffering. They were hurting. They were in pain. After the second service, I go outside. I'm in the comments. And this young lady comes up to me and says, do you remember me? I said, ma'am, I'm sorry, I don't. And she says, I am the mother of the little girl that you talked about in your sermon. I am the mother of the little girl that you officiated on Christmas Day six years ago. She proceeds to tell me that at that moment when her little girl was taken away from her, She didn't want anything to do with God. As a matter of fact, six years ago, she stepped away from church. Had not come back to Grace Bible Church until that very day. I could have opened up with any other question to be answered. But yet on the day that God ordains her to come back to her church, God tells me to speak about Her pain and her suffering. And she told me on that day, it's the first time I'm back. But she also said, I'm coming back. And boy, has she come back. I'm going to read to you her testimony. This is what she writes. She says, I first attended Grace Bible Church in 2012 and instantly loved everything. It opened my eyes to something more than any other church I have ever been to. She says, I really felt... Like it was where I should be and my relationship with God should be. And in 2016, I moved to Corpus for my daughter's medical needs. So that was my last year that I attended Grace Bible Church. But I was guided to a similar church. So I was able to continue my relationship with God. But my daughter's medical needs required better care. So a year later, I moved to San Antonio to get her better doctors. My life and attention were starting to just be only on my daughter because of her medical needs becoming more and more severe. My focus, she says, in relationship with God was slowly fading. And then on December 20th, 2018, she says, my entire life was ripped apart. My daughter passed away. And at that point, I instantly said I was done and that I no longer believed in God. I didn't understand why I was given such a beautiful blessing only for her to be taken away just a short three years later. I was hurt, angry, lost, and I hated. I hated God for everything. I came back to Laredo to lay my daughter to rest. And just lived day by day since I still had two other kids to take care of. In December of 2019, I was introduced to a new friend from another friend of mine. And this new friend slowly over the next three years brought me back to God. She would always sit and pray with me. Would always send me Bible verses. Always remind me that everything happening around me was his work, his plan, his purpose. Then one day, not too long ago, she introduced me to one of her good friends, and this new friend mentioned she went to Grace Bible Church. I told her that I used to go to Grace, and she right away told me to go with her that coming weekend. So I went. The very first thing Pastor Eddie talked about was my daughter. And the message was, why does evil exist? In the series, Wonder Why, my eyes and heart opened up again. She says, I know it's just the beginning, but I am building my relationship with God again. I know he puts us through trials. And mine was very, very hard. It took me years to forgive God, and I'm here asking for his forgiveness. Wow. My baby girl is with our father in heaven, and that gives me such comfort, joy, and happiness. I am finally healing, and I thank you, God for everything you do and continue to do her pain has turned to praise see i believe that god let cheryl experience the ultimate trial and that trial ultimately let cheryl back to the ultimate god a loving god a purposeful god a perfect god I don't know if you're going through a trial right now, at church, but trust God. There's purpose in your trial. Trust him that he is with you. Trust him that he loves you, and more importantly, he will never, ever forsake you. Let's pray, church. Father God, I do give you thanks and praises always, in the highs and in the lows, knowing that you are a perfect and sovereign God. You are the beginning and the end. You understand. You know everything. We don't see the way you see. So let us trust in you. Let us depend on you. And Father, I know many of us are going through trials and sufferings of many kinds, going through some pain. But there is a purpose as we just read. There is a purpose in our pain. And Father, I pray. That one day we look back and say thank you the way Cheryl is looking back and saying thank you, God. We love you, Father. Be with us. Be in our presence always as you promise you are. And it's his name, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you, church. God bless you guys.